February 24, 1978, five men from Yuba City, California disappeared. Bill Sterling, Jack Hewitt, Ted Weir, Jack Madruga, and Gary Mathias. They had gone to a basketball game in nearby Chico, but on their way back, they drove up a snowy mountain road the opposite direction of their homes. Later, their car was found there, undamaged, and with enough gas to drive back. Sadly, four of the five men were found dead in and near a trailer on the mountain four months later. Outside of the trailer was enough food to supply all five men for a year and enough paper and wood to light a fire. None was ever lit. What drove them to go into the mountains? Why did they abandon their car? Why did they never light a fire? Where's the fifth man? It's the Yuba County Five, and it's next on Hysteria 51. They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Truth. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast. Now playing on Spotify. Alexa, stop. Stop, collaborate, and listen is the first lyric. Alexa, I said pause. Isaac Asimov was a famous science fiction writer in Alexa, stop! You don't have to yell. Finally. Wait, wait, what? What? I'm, I'm gonna leave that alone. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that never leaves a candy bar half eaten. This is Hysteria 51. No one knows what that means. It's a teaser. They'll get it soon enough. I really need some new meat sacks. Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, I'm your host, John Goforth, and sitting across from me is my co-host and the, um, uh, well, never mind, I couldn't even come up with something good here. Uh, his name's Brent Hand. You sound a little off today, John. Is everything everything kosher? Everything okay? Um, I guess I'm just a little thrown off by my chat with Alexa. She seems a little too, I don't know, responsive, but it's fine, it's fine. Maybe she wants to kill you too. Get in line. That other voice you're hearing is the third host of the show and the only one to routinely threaten homicide, yet not get arrested. So that's a plus for him, I guess. The one and only conspiracy bot. Snitches get stitches. That doesn't even make sense in the context of this conversation whatsoever. You don't make sense in the context of this conversation. By the way, did you work out the kinks on Kyle? I'm tired of picking up my own dry cleaning. You you don't wear clothes. Which makes it even more annoying. I <laughs> Actually, I did, and it turned out to just be a little bad code. But he's back to normal now, or I guess at least as normal as Kyle gets. Normal, normal. Anyone got a wrench? Why do you need a wrench? Potatoes. Cheese muffins. See? Back to normal. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, nice work. Nice yeah. work. Um, you oh, thank you. You might want to turn that coding expertise to your Alexa. She's giving me the creeps. But for now, let us tarry no further, Brent. Don't talk like that. But yes, yes, like my favorite cloth will tarry no further. Uh, actually, I should have said cheese because I love cheese and cheese cloths. But hey, it's the Yuma County Five. Oh, I thought you meant there was a cheese called Terry cheese. There might be. I don't I'll, know. I'd probably eat it. That's he, all I know. He does lactate a lot. So <laughs> Okay, that's enough. <laughs> uh, John, disclaimer, I think, before we start. Though. Yeah, yeah. Quick disclaimer. So this story involves, if, you, if you're not familiar with it, involves five men that were all described in one way, shape, or form as being intellectually disabled or, or with a mental health disability. Now, we researched all over the place for this story, and, and you'll see that if you look in the, uh, in the show notes. And frankly, everywhere you turned, there was a different reference to their varied conditions, some of them even using archaic terms like slow or even worse. Um, our point is a lot of progress has been made in the last 40 years in understanding both mental illness and intellectual disablement. We've done our best to use the correct terminology and, and call out the wrong terminology if it's in a quote. I mean, obviously, we're not going to change a quote. But the point is, we're not perfect. Uh, we made our best effort. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we don't offend anyone because that's not our uh, we're just trying to bring this story to you because it's a really fascinating story. It's also worth noting this quote from the Sacramento Bee in an article last year. Frequently referred to in news articles as, quote, mentally slow, unquote, 
or simply, quote, retarded, unquote, it's unclear whether any of the young men ever had their disabilities formally diagnosed, not that it mattered much to one another. So as we get into the story, the point is you'll hear a lot of these words and they many of them weren't even formally diagnosed. Right, right, exactly. And like you said, there's quotes and things like that. So we are if we are using improper terminology, we didn't say it. Ourselves. And we apologize. Yeah. So the funny thing is about this, I don't know if it is actually funny, but I find humorous that everyone calls this, even when you look it up online, the American Dyatlov Pass. And yeah, you and I were talking about that the yeah, other day. People went, disappeared, and bodies were found. So, and, and it was cold under weird circumstances. But that's kind of where it stops. They're very and vastly different uh, situations. There's a very big mystery here that we'll get into, but there's no woo-woo behind it. Like the, the, with the, with the, the woo-woo the, more is the evil of men than the, correct. why is there an irradiated monster eating you? Exactly. Kind of the, with, Where's with your the, tongue, Billy? With the, you di- with the diet love, or diet however you say it, pass. There's the possibility of like some sort of cryptid or monster yeah. you know, alien doing some weird shit. Not here. Hold on. No, no, no. Fuck that noise, because there is always, always a, a chance, chance <laughs> of a cryptid or monster. Or what alien. the hell was I thinking? It's like that meme that keeps going around. Your chance of getting killed by a cow is low, but never zero. And there's a cow <laughs> looking at a window. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Yeah. <laughs> you have to send that to me right now. Pause the show. <laughs> well, here, I'll just let's just do it on air. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, this is another one that was a huge outpouring of people asking us to do this one. And. I knew the term, but I didn't know a lot about the story, and I'm actually very happy that they did because it is fascinating. And I kind of fell down the rabbit hole on this one, uh, trying to find different takes on it. There's not a ton of speculation. There's speculation, uh, and it's all over the place, but a lot of places kind of funnel back to the same research. So it's interesting. The Sacramento Bee article I mentioned earlier from last year really was great in digging up new research and different right. research. And if you read anything since then, they just <laughs> that's what they're pointing to. Right. The the good news, the way the Sacramento Bee was able to do their article was unlike so many of these stories, the evidence and the uh, uh the big box of evidence buried in the uh, the bottom of the uh, police station didn't go missing this time right and the seal wasn't uh you know cut off mysteriously and there were holes in it <laughs> and, and pieces missing and, and yeah you know. yeah yeah to get into this we, we've kind of talked about the you know calling it this this comparing it to the outlaw pass what happened john what is this story and why is this so fascinating uh okay so there's there's five guys five friends um uh, they call them uh, you'll hear this reference a lot the boys like in quotes the the boys they they were everyone referred to them as the boys now they were all adults um, yes. from 20s to 30s 20s to 30s yeah um uh, many of them considered each other best friends they were the five best friends that anyone could have <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get into it later. One of them wasn't necessarily a best friend. Yeah, that's true because you always need a boogeyman. And I think a lot of that might just be people. It could be a speculation. Pointing blame. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but they, as we mentioned before, they were all either intellectually disabled or with a mental health disability. And this is, of course, according to their families and reports at the time. Yeah, that's not disputed. They were very forthcoming with all that information. Yeah, this is mostly from the families. And they all attended vocational rehab. In fact, that's uh, actually where they all met as a group. Uh, it was called the Gateway Projects, which was uh, it's a, a now defunct Yuba City organization for adults with special needs. I actually run my own Gateway Project. If anyone is interested in free Gateway drugs, hit me up online. <laughs> Wait, wait, let's 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 pause there and let's get dive in deeper to that. See about what do you mean by drugs? I mean I will kill them. <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah, for free. Yeah, yeah. He's it's so kinda, polite. It's like the, it's like it's like Bapu's. You know, we, when you come to the new studio, you don't have to bring him. I don't have to, but he insists. And I brought. This is the first time producer Lisa's been in the new studio. So, Lisa, how's that new booth treating you? Well, you know, I didn't hook up the audio. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about those these guys that go to this gateway. They were all part of actually a basketball team, all played on the Special Olympics team called the Gateway Gators. They were chomping to the top. No. I see. I don't know if that's offensive or just stupid. Gators, man. No, no, no. no. It doesn't matter. 
Yeah, I mean, seriously, it, it, I think it's more stupid. I think, the, I think his <laughs> comment there is just more, it's, I'm not offended by it, but it's just stupid. So before we get further though, you were talking about a little bit of the backstory. Let's talk about these men individually because five people, four are definitely dead. So let's give them a little and, bit of information. Here. Of course. And spend some time on them. And then also the context of who they were and uh, also plays into how they fit into the story. Right. So it's worth taking the time. Yeah. So first off we have Theodore Weir. He was 32 years old and he was from Olivehurst, California. And he was actually diagnosed with a learning disability. He was a janitor previously, but he'd quit at the urging of his family. And the other guy that is part of the story, Hewitt, he was kind of Hewitt's protector. Yeah, Jack Hewitt. We'll get into him in a second. Yeah, he took care of him. And that said, he wasn't known for his common sense. And that's a hard thing to say. But here's a quote from that that article you were talking about. We're going to quote that a few times in this it, episode, it, I think. It, it, it was one of the more... Um, one of the more factually relevant right. uh, pieces of research we could find. So this is from the Sacramento Bee. We loved making new friends, but lacked basic common sense. His brother Dallas had an interview with the Bee. He once spent $100 on pencils for no particular reason. And his parents told investigators all these stories and how he would question instructions as simple as stopping at a stop sign. When his parents' house in town of Linda caught fire. He stayed in bed watching the ceiling over him burn and told his brother to leave him alone because he needed to rest for work the next day. They told investigators all of this. One of his brothers literally had to drag him from the burning house. And this is, you know, we mentioned earlier, this is the guy who was kind of the protector of the next guy. We're going to talk about Jack Hewitt. Yeah. So, I mean, that's doesn't sound like it paints a, a picture of, of yeah, kind of the, mentality or and you know some people are very fragile but sometimes people work together what you're lacking someone else that's true like i have charisma you have we'll figure it out i don't know but you know and so you bring different things to the table i have the looks you've got Uh the um (laughs) he's got the look (laughs) sunglasses brent you have sunglasses i do i multiple pair No one has more than one pair of sunglasses. So like you said, the next guy up is Jack Hewitt. He was 24 years old, and he came from Marysville, California. And Jack also lived with his parents. And here's another quote from the Bee. Hewitt, 24, was the most severely handicapped of the five. His father told investigators he couldn't read, write, or dial a telephone and depended highly on his mother or Weir, whom he had known for about eight years. Shy with a speech impediment, he didn't particularly like being away from home for extended periods of time, certainly not overnight, his father said. Then Yuba County Lieutenant Lance Ayers, the case's lead investigator who died sadly in 2010, was likely referring to Hewitt when he said that some members of the group had IQs as low as the 40s. Yeah. That is below functioning. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, and I, who knows if that's supposition on, on that guy's part. You know, as you mentioned, he's passed now, but that's certainly... Uh, I didn't watch an spit, interview with tells him. Tells a tale. He was very passionate about this with this this gentleman, uh, the police officer before he passed. Yeah, and uh, it was crazy that that I think some cases they probably forget all about, and this one you could tell like haunted him a little bit. Right, and, and I you know it's important to hit all these notes also um, because it helps while you're trying to understand some of the actions that were taken. Right. Up next, we had uh, Jack Madruga. Uh, Jack was 30. He lived with his parents in Marysville, California. He was unemployed at the time of the incident, but he had previously been a dishwasher and had been laid off. Uh, I actually read a little bit more about this. He was laid off. They bought a new dishwasher at uh, at the, the I think it was the restaurant that he worked at. And um, and he had a hard time using the new one and they they let him go the way his family members described him was, quote, not mentally retarded in the common sense of retardation dot 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 merely slow in his thought processes that's a weird that's so one of those quotes like, we're talking about that's one of those things also where they're like he wasn't diagnosed right you know what i mean right but it also like that that's one of those quotes like like his family was talking about him back then that way like today we hear that 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 sentence uh, and we like you know <laughs> it's abhorrent right. you know uh, but that's the way his family was talking about him. So, but what it does is does give us a little insight into again, like you said, not diagnosed, but certainly uh, certainly had some some issues. I was diagnosed as certified badass. Sadly, there is no cure. 
Did you he, ever install? He has it in writing. Did you ever? Were you ever able to install the off switch? Uh, I mean, I did, but he removed it. So we have <laughs> right. that going for us. Next up, we got William Sterling. Sterling was 29 years old and from Yuba City itself, and he was, by all accounts, a deeply religious man. They said he would spend hours at the library reading literature so that he could bring Jesus to patients in mental hospitals. And he worked at Beale Air Force Base as a dishwasher in the early 70s, but his mother made him quit. She told investigators it was after discovering airmen routinely got him drunk so they could steal his money. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's no good. I'd, I'd make him quit, too. And last but not least, um, we had Gary Mathias. This is the the you'll find out the the odd one, the red herring or the 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 one that hadn't been friends with the group piece. for very long. Yeah. Uh, also, the one. Well, we'll get into it. Uh, he was the newest to the group, having just joined uh, the Gateway Projects a few months prior in right. the previous year. Yeah, um, he was 25 and he came from Olivehurst, California. He lived with his parents and worked for his stepdad's gardening business. Uh, he had actually he had served in the military, but was discharged five years prior to uh, the incident. Uh, the reason he was discharged is they diagnosed him as paranoid schizophrenic. He was known to have had violent outbursts while he was in the army. He had a criminal record, which we'll get in more to later. But he was said to be fine as long as he was on his meds. And uh, at the time of the incident, ha- hadn't had issues for at least two years. So that was Gary. And uh, as we mentioned, all five Gary! of them. It's over. You were combing your hair. I was, Mom. I was. I wasn't jerking off. <laughs> oh, weird science. Are you just having your own podcast? I over am. There? I am. It's called Perfection. <laughs> I, call. I visibly heard Lisa roll her eyes, the, or visibly audibly. I think the call was perfect. <laughs> I. I really need to get better at my impressions. Uh, as we mentioned, all five of them played on a basketball team together, and there was a tournament coming uh, the the following Saturday. Yeah, the family said they were all really pumped about it because the winner of the tourney would win a week in L.A. and a trip to Disneyland. It is overrated. Probably, but you know. I also read somewhere else that at the tournament, I think it was at the tournament, or it might have been the, the game they were going to the night before, which we'll get into, they were going to have the opportunity to meet Sally Struthers. Oh, shit. Correspondent schools for everyone. <laughs> so before the tournament, they made plans to go to a basketball game that Friday night, which kind of makes sense. You got a big tournament the next day. Go go watch a game. Get kind of pumped up and get ready for it. So that's back on Friday, February 24th. They all got into the car. Now, Jack Madruga, he owned the car, and it was a 1969 Mercury Montego. And he drove about 50 miles with them to watch the game at California State University, Chico. And uh, their favorite team, which was another California team, I'm forgetting, uh, was actually on the road playing at Chico. That's why okay. they went so far. And I, another, in another source I was reading, uh, most of their parents actually asked them not to go because that was a really long it's trip. It's a long way. They got a big day tomorrow. You're not going to get home until late. Like, why, why are you going right, to do it? Right, and they, and they were super excited about the big day. It just didn't make right. sense, but they, they, they had made their minds up, so they went. Yeah, so they, they get back in the car at about 10 o'clock-ish to head home. After and, the game, right. Yeah, and they stopped about three blocks away from the university where they played at, where the game was played at, at a place called Bears Market, and they bought some snacks. And this is remembered because the, the clerk, I always find this interesting, most things you don't remember, but when something, you know, what'd you do last Tuesday, says the officer, I don't know. But if that day something happened, you, you had stepped on a tack. Right. You would like, well, he I was, was on my way to the bathroom. And, right. Yeah. So the guy was trying to close up and they came in and he said, annoyed the piss out of him because he's trying to close he's trying up. trying to get out of there. And right. they're like, come in, like, just, blah, 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 you know, yeah, had, had, had a lot. Uh, they'd had a lot of fun at the game, so probably fired up. Yeah, and, yeah. And Adrenaline's getting, flowing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so they bought, and they, they have exactly what they bought down. One Hostess Cherry Pie, one Lingendorf Lemon Pie, one Snickers Bar, one Marathon Bar, two Pepsis, and a quart and a half of milk. Oh, it's so cold. Milk was a bad <laughs> choice. So- I had to say cold, but <laughs> I'm in a glass case of emotions. Still doing your own podcast over there. <laughs> what the hell is a marathon bar? I'm glad you asked, Seabot. Uh, Brent, I have a treat for you. This is going to be a little aside from the show today. I'm going to do my I own like podcast over here. like we're back to rat here. or fat on this one. Yeah, no kidding. We are going to try a marathon bar. Well, not exactly. Let me explain. Be a lot happier as a PB Max. I know you would. Uh, the Mars Candy Company introduced the marathon bar in 1973, and it was a full, it was a full eight inches <laughs> of braided caramel. 
covered in milk chocolate. Maybe that's only that's that's way longer than eight inches. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was marketed as quote the candy bar you can't eat quickly uh, in commercials, uh, and it, it featured- oh god. Oh man, it's going to be like a bunch of like milk uh, or uh, sugar babies or something, isn't it? <laughs> uh, oh. And and like their 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 mascot uh, was like some sort of cowboy dude. Anyway, uh, but you can't eat me quick. It came in a. Uh, <laughs> is that what happened? <laughs> it came in a bright red wrapper that made it stand out from other candy bars. There's actually a ruler on the wrapper showing that it was the full eight inches. <laughs> so many jokes. Um. They discontinued the Marathon Bar in 1981. I was going to say, this isn't a Marathon Bar that you've got two of sitting in front of me. A version of it lives on in the Cadbury. Can I I say the name? Yeah, go ahead. It's Curly Whirly. Curly Whirly. So this was a this was actually a competitive bar that had been out before the marathon, but it's it's like those you know there's there's candy bars out there that they are literally have a, a twin across the aisle mm. that, that the the opponent makes Mars makes one Cadbury makes the other kind of like score. a yeah like yeah. Heath and score exactly um, so Brent I went and procured I'm, I'm, I'm curly whirlies I'm not the guy to give him a uh, shot I'm not the guy to turn it down so interestingly enough talking about curly whirly it looks like rope. Like braided rope. It does. It does. And, and, it, and it kind of falls off. apart. Um, All right. Here we go. Oh, it tastes like a ironed down. Lisa, what are those ones we eat? The to- the chewy covered in chocolate. They're long. Strong and down to get the friction mm-hmm. on. How do? Woo. Let me taste it. Let me taste it. To me, it tastes like a really thin milk dud. What they come in, they're either yellow or they're... Yeah, Charleston Chew. But that's like that's nougat. That's not the caramel. The consistency is what the consistency, mm-hmm. like this a flattened. Like flat milk judge. Yep. Give it back. You're not on this show. Amazon. Amazon. Oh, wow. So you had this planned. Oh, yeah. Well, that's how we do things in on big, one on, bite. on big boy podcasts. But everyone at home is going to think that this took no time because of the magic of editing <laughs> holy crap three weeks later it is hard to eat but it was really good like so I when can, they say you can't eat it quickly they were serious somewhere some guys like mm, i got it down <laughs> like they're and guinness is like stop 4.2 seconds yeah yeah uh it was good it's very tasty i didn't get to finish it because producer lisa who never comes out of the booth came out of the booth and ate three quarters of it <laughs> and kind of yelled at you when you wanted a little piece back. Yeah, I'm like, and I have another. All right, so Brent, that ends our interlude. You don't know this, but I brought you seven Langendorf lemon pies to eat, just because. <laughs> and you've got to finish them before we move on. <laughs> yeah, so. All right, buckle in, kids. Uh, no, all right, that does officially end the interlude. So they ate. They they joked, they laughed, they left, and they drove south to head home. Mm-hmm. And that would be the last time that any of them would be seen together. And probably more importantly, the last time any decision they made would make any sense whatsoever. Right. What happened to them? What do we know? What do we we think? What do experts think? And how the hell oh, do I get all this caramel out of my teeth? Not that there's that much because it's mostly in Lisa's. <laughs> but that is coming up on Hysteria 51. Use the robot. The robot will get the caramel out. Every bit. Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I, I just thought romance languages was yeah. the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever we love rosetta stone and we actually are users david you've really been using it even for longer than i what's your experience been like oh it's been great the thing is uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it so it's very high on pronunciation too so (laughs) you can you know learn how to speak and you know our show is all about proper pronunciation (laughs) in that pronunciation yeah that's right but it's it, they design it for long term retention, you know. It, and yeah. 
if you don't get the pronunciation right, you you say it until you do, and then you know that that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why you know this has been trusted by experts for thirty years, and there's over twenty five different languages that you can learn, and people millions and millions of users use it because, like you said, it does seep in, and you're using it with you know you get speech recognition, and mm-hmm. it it hears you. You get to use like the built in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused or really cool. <laughs> I'd go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally though, this is something that we use and we have, both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long-term and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know, and we don't, yeah. we don't do long-term um, stuff like this. And this is, this is the one that we've chosen and we love it. So all you guys got to do, don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times. And it's always now, right now, get now. started for Larry limited time. His Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50% visit Rosetta Stone. Dot com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off. RosettaStone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Got to celebrate that new bell. New studio I actually new got bell. a bell for the for studio. You did go with yellow. Yours yep. is a smiley face. Mine says "Ring for Beer" or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Mine's better. We can pretend. It's pretend time. Put your sunglasses back on. Mm-hmm. All right, nation. We are back, and we're just dive back into the story. Before the break, we told you that the um, they left the store. They went missing. Uh, that next- does not make sense. Well, I guess I didn't even the say they went missing, but they did go missing because the next day they weren't home and the families were worried. They were upset. As I mean, tends to happen. This is the day of the tournament. It's a big day. They were excited about it. Uh, one of them had even told their mother to wake them up really early because yeah. they were so excited about the mm-hmm. tournament um, and, and they weren't home. Yeah. And the families contacted authorities and the county sheriff's department began searching for the men. This has got to be a horrible feeling. And John, I I don't have children, but you do. Can you imagine what that is like? And the other thing I wanted to piggyback on this is there is no 24 or 48 hour nonsense. That's TV BS. 
Like you can call right away. Yeah, right, right. Like it's they go. Well, they need to have been missing for forty eight hours. Oh, we're not going to care. No, they're they're going to look into this. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, think if your son was missing. I can't even imagine what that would be like. Well, and you're right. And they didn't actually wait till the next morning. That's just when they all finally started communicating with each other. Some of them had been uh, phoning each other at two a.m. because they were that concerned. I mean, think about right. this. You've got a you've got a special needs child that lives with you who went on a 50-mile trip, which is much longer than they normally would go on, mm-hmm. and they haven't come home by the time they're expected, you're going to be freaking out. Yeah, and so they start worrying, and the police get on it, and evidence starts to come in pretty quickly, pretty quickly. actually. Uh, the following Tuesday, so this would have been the 28th. Though probably worth saying that would not have felt quickly to the parents. No, not at all. But they do find Jack Madruga's car. Uh, one of the forest rangers finds it, and it's abandoned. And it's sitting in this unpaved road in Oroville in the Rogers Cow Camp area. And the car, which if you look it up, there's a lot of pictures of it. It's this turquoise and white. Like we said, it's a 69 Mercury Montego. It was on this snowy road, literally in the middle of a forest that none of these men had ever at least been known to visit. Let's put it that way. And and there's a kicker here. It was 70 miles away from Chico where they had been and in the opposite direction. Yeah, so of they Yuba. weren't headed towards home. They were right. headed the other the way. The other way. And they investigate and find zero evidence at the place that foul play occurred at the car. But it's unlocked. One of the windows is down and the keys are missing. But here's the other thing. There's a couple other things that make this weird. Maps are still in the glove compartment, so they didn't take those. That is a thing of the past anymore. That's true. People probably don't have maps in their cars. Right. Look at him coming in. Although I do have maps in my bug out bags. I got maps in my bug out bag, and I have them in my truck. Um, but you know, I think I've just from every vehicle, I just they've just moved, moved them. Yeah, it's the, it's the map that still shows. Here's the. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Unincorporated territories. <laughs> this is the weird part. East and West Germany. Why do you there have a German is, map in your right, truck? Well, you in never West know. Germany. There's no obvious damage to the car, even though this is on a really, really rough road in the snow. Those snack wrappers were in there along with half eaten marathon bar. I know why. It was only half eaten. Like all, all the other food had been consumed. The marathon right? bar was only half eaten. And now we know why. The car is not stuck in the snow. They had to like hot wire it or whatever, and they could drive it right out of there. It still had a quarter tank of gas. They didn't run out of gas. So this leads police down a line of thinking, thinking that the driver had either used astonishing care driving on this road to make sure that nothing happened, like precision driving, or he or she knew the road well enough to anticipate where all their ruts and holes and everything were. That's a really, really important piece of the puzzle, as in maybe the boys weren't driving because it doesn't make sense if they were. That's just a theory, but that is one that kind of sticks out and that the investigators really kind of stuck with as well. And and the other the other side of that theory, Madruga was known to be extra careful with his car. Uh, so they, they always point out that the window is down. He never would have left the window down. Right. Meticulous. So that, meticulous. Know, it was yeah. his, his baby or whatever. You want to so call it. what you could argue that he would have just taken those roads really slowly and that perhaps they weren't all that stuck in the snow, but he didn't want to push it too hard because he was worried about his car. Yeah. But then the flip side of that is he would not have left the window down when they took off. So did they leave in duress? Right. And the forest rangers come in and they search this area around where the car is. They find no trace of the, the guys at all. Sadly, though, there's a blizzard that moves in just about the time they begin. So kind of say, I have to say bye-bye to any potential tracks. It's just going to get covered up. Right, right. How bad? Nine inches of snow fell in the mountain in that area. Uh, can we just stop there for a second? Let's, let's, let's dissect that. I don't want to call that a blizzard. We get nine inches on a Tuesday in Chicago. Well, the and we're reason like, they you're knew expected at work by eight a.m. They knew it was nine inches because they all whipped out their marathon, marathon bars. bars. And they, like, they look like about an inch above that. There, Todd. <laughs> Thanks, Ted. So the guys they seem to have vanished, and and so the the question becomes: Has anyone seen them? Did anyone see them leave the car? Did anyone else see what happened with when they left the car? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe John, tell us about that. Enter Joseph Shones. It might be Shons. I'm not sure the pronunciation. He called the police after hearing about the boys' disappearance to say he had seen them, 
or what he thought to be them, uh, between 11 and 12 Friday evening that the group disappeared. And this motherfucker's got a horrible story. <laughs> he wasn't like, oh, I was just, you know, flip-flopping my way through the area. And I, howdy, howdy, <laughs> enjoying, dude. Enjoying a beer yeah. and a snack. No, no, no. He had been driving up the road to his cabin when uh, he was he was actually um, scouting out the area to see if he could bring his family the next day. Uh, driving up the road to his cabin when his car had become stuck in the road. Uh, he was actually stuck. And he, and he tries to push his car out and boom, he has a grabber. Yeah. Has a heart attack. Uh, that makes a baker's dozen there, Bob. <laughs> and uh, and 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 now from from here the details get a little hazy. Um, there's a couple which different- I call bullshit because every time I've had a heart attack, I've been in complete sound control. <laughs> um, there's a couple versions of what he said. In one version, and let's call this the normal version, he he's lying in his car. Uh, as you know, you do after you have a heart attack in the middle of nowhere. And at about 1130, he sees <laughs> this is protocol. Yes. Us. Yes. There's there's a book. Uh, he sees two sets of headlights coming up behind him. Uh, one was a car and the other was a truck. Yeah. He got out of his car to flag them down and pay attention to the fact that there was a truck there. We'll get back to right, that later. Right. Right. Uh, both vehicles stopped about 20 feet from him. They ignore him. Get out of the car and just walk past. Yeah. Joseph said he spent the rest of the night in his car screaming, you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're just inferring that, but I think it's right. Uh, and, and then before walking back down the mor- down the mountain in the morning, he uh, uh, it, I guess his car had run out of gas. Yeah, he and- said it ran out of gas, got cold, and it was about eight miles to uh, safety. One of the most interesting things about the story is the guy has a grabber in the middle of nowhere and just sits it out. Yeah, yeah, just like, oh, man, I'm going to fucking probably like the cold and everything might have like lowered his blood pressure and made it better. I don't know. I well, don't know. If and also, any- I mean, plenty of times people have heart attacks. They don't even there's like there's some sort of um, identifier in your blood when you've had a heart attack. It comes mm-hmm. up positive. And they'll just have said, I don't know. I was sweating a whole lot and uh, things yeah. went weird. Like, yeah, you had a heart attack. Yeah. Was, I'm sure it was one of those more minor, right. but still interesting. That's option one because right. he's got a couple things that he remembered of this story the more mysterious version gets a little more yeah while he's inside the car he hears whistling noise from outside so you do what you do and you, you pop your head up and he said he saw what looked like a group of men and a woman with a baby five men a woman and a baby yeah walking, tom Selleck was one of them <laughs> walking in the light of another vehicle's headlights so like, and steve gutenberg right like this is another vehicle right right they can see them they've gotten out they're all walking and you know normal middle of the night middle of nowhere middle of winter shit babies love the woods they love just going out in the woods in the night you can leave them especially out. when it's cold they say it really builds character and their surroundings. Oh, get, is it too, get, my guy's two and a half now? Is it too late? It's never too late to try. <laughs> the old college try. Yeah. Um, and he said he called for help and that the lights turned off and the whistling sound well, stopped. There's someone in the car. I when I reading the every time I read this story, I I can only imagine the. Did you ever watch the show on HBO, The Leftovers? Watched part of the first season. So there's this whole group of people that I, I won't get into it, but they don't speak and they wear white. Yep. And I'm just imagining the, the main dude's whites in there. Yeah. yeah. And they're just walking past. You know, you're yeah. trying to yell at him, not paying attention. Pardon me. Don't know if you know this or not, but I had a heart attack. What if you could? Nope, no. No. Okay. No help at all. All right. We'll no. go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Thanks again. You got a marathon bar. <laughs> so he ends up, like you said, staying until he ran out of gas, walks the eight miles, and he didn't think much of it, which is kind of saying something until he heard about the disappearances and he's like i think i might have saw them is that normal shit or was his mind just more preoccupied with i had a heart attack and then he he puts two and two together I, I, I don't know it's listen it's important to note he admitted to authorities that he thought he experienced hallucinations right and so that's interesting but it's also interesting that it could maybe explain some of what happened well the is right the question becomes of if the if the story is a pie chart what percentage of that pie chart was hallucinations versus really happened i got very sick when i was younger and i had hallucinations sucks you didn't die and i don't remember i kind of remember little bits and pieces of it myself but my parents they told me all and the shit i was seeing didn't make any sense like the dog's ears came off and were chasing me and and all this stuff like yeah like you're talking like 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 an outtake from evil dead right and it was cuz i had a high temperature and they were trying to fight it and i was in the hospital and all this stuff it's just weird i wasn't like and then i saw a woman with a baby walk by and ignore me 
<laughs> but I don't know. It tends to happen a lot, I guess. One little thing that might be important about that is remember he said that those two vehicles came up, a car and a truck. A truck. You kind of ticked off on that. A woman reported seeing the five men in a red pickup truck on Saturday and Sunday, about an hour from where that abandoned car was. And she owned a store there and said two of the men came in to buy food. One of them made a phone call from there was a, a, a phone booth right outside of there. And the other two stayed in the truck and she identified them as the boys and said all five of them were in this truck. Yeah, it was Tom Stalick, Steve Gutenberg. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what really happened to the boys, Brent? Can can it be explained? Uh, was was something nefarious afoot? After the break, a break in the case. Well, yeah. well, sort of. That's next on Hysteria 51. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me up a piece of that marathon, marathon bar. Curly Whirly. Curly Whirly. Yeah, I keep saying marathon. I... Well, it was a marathon in the story. We just yeah, ate a curly whirly. Curly whirly. Maybe I. Maybe they're just telling us everything tastes like chicken, and this actually tastes way different. Wait, you, the marathon bar tastes oh, like remember, chicken. Remember the Matrix, where he's like, "Do you think everything really tastes like chicken, or maybe that's just how they coded it?" Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw the other day. I saw the first uh, photos released. Uh, you know, Instagrammers or whatever found mm-hmm. of uh, Keanu Reeves back on set filming the next Matrix. Whoa! Whoa! It, was he was he blind? He was he was literally uh, standing, holding his hand up, like in like kind of normal street clothes and sunglasses, looking up at the sun. He plays. How long can I stare at the sun? We all play that as kids. It's true. It's true. Me and when you're the one, I mean, you can do whatever you want. Me bumps into stuff. That kid who can't see no more. I don't know. <laughs> all of you. <laughs> I was never very good at it. All right. Nothing. Literally in this case for months. Like they're you just said. they're just gone. They're just gone. Middle of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, a breakthrough that's actually a break in a window. So in June of 78, a man riding his motorcycle through the area noticed a broken window on a forest service trailer. So this is June. Everything's warming back up. People are out and about. And he sees this trailer has a window missing or broken. Uh, he also notices, I mean, a really bad stench in the area. Yeah. And this trailer is about 19 miles up the mountain from where the car was found. And remember at the time when they went missing, this was 19 miles in heavy snow. And that's quite a hike without proper equipment. I feel like you're foreshadowing something here. But that's quite what, a hike. What are we going to what are we going to discover in the forest service trail? Well, so but really though, with a nice day and proper equipment, that sucks to walk that. You know, and they yeah, would have absolutely. to walk it. How could they have gotten there? Well, on February 23rd, which was right before the the boys had went missing, the forest service had a snowcat, which is one of those big they got like tank treads usually and they'll, they'll yeah. plow snow and almost looks like a tiny backhoe or, or something. something like yeah. yeah. And they'd went to the trailer and packed down the snow. So they might've had a little bit of a path and the boys, easier, yeah. the boys might've just followed this path, you know, to go maybe. Now that's and we know they thought. went that direction because sadly inside the trailer, um, the guy found the body of Ted, Ted Weir, and uh, and he notifies authorities, and that's yeah. the first break in the case. So, boom, search and rescue teams then start searching the area around the trailer. And the next day, teams found the remains of Madruga and Sterling. And they were on opposite sides of the road of the trailer, over 11 miles away from the car. But they're still eight miles away from the trailer. They right. weren't at the trailer. And Madruga's body had been partially eaten by animals and dragged about... 10 feet to a stream and he was laying face up and his right hand was curled around his watch. Sterling, unfortunately at that time was just bones and he was in a wooded area and he was scattered over an area of like 50 feet. This um, next part is, is really rough. Jack Hewitt, his remains were found uh, over the next few days by his father. Right. Um, his had, father would not, he refused. I mean, they, they said you need to not be a part of this because we're going to we're probably going to find remains. You don't want to find your son's remains. And he just said, I need closure. I need to do this. I think I, I would probably be in that camp. Like, I just I need to do it. And, he, and they found his son's backbone. And yeah, they uh, actually used they found other parts. They used dental records. Yeah. When, when to, they found the rest. Yeah. yeah. Yep. To the northwest of the trailer, a quarter mile away, searchers found three wool forest service blankets and a flashlight laying by the side of the road. But. It's impossible to tell how long they were there. The flashlight was rusted. It was turned off. 
It could those could have been there for a long time. Completely unrelated or completely or related. Not. Right. Autopsy results on all four determined that they had likely died from exposure, not from trauma or, or anything murder. Like that. Right, right. Let's go back to that trailer for a second. So this is where it gets really fucking weird. This whole story. Investigators think Ted lived eight to 13 weeks after his disappearance. Now they base that off of he'd grown a beard. So they go off how long that was. And he'd lost a hundred pounds since he'd went That's missing. insane. So he weighed just 120 pounds at his time of death. He was tucked into a bed and he was wrapped up in eight sheets, like cocooned in a way that someone wrapped him up to like, try to, to keep him warm. Like he couldn't have done it himself. Yeah. Th- this is one of those things that it's most likely that he couldn't have done it himself. Meaning someone did it for him. Right. Um, it's not, it, it again, these, uh, when we get into these statements, like he couldn't have done it, that these are, these are things that somebody's judgment made on a report. Well, and, and these are police to see these things, but they say he was tucked in, in a manner, which it would have been, especially at the time, because we'll find out he couldn't walk. He couldn't stand. He couldn't do anything. Well, yeah. And his, le- his leather shoes were off and missing. Yeah. And by a table, by the bed, he had a, a nickel ring that had Ted engraved in it. It was sitting there. He had a gold necklace that was sitting there. His wallet was there. It was still full of any cash and anything he had. And here's the weird part. There was a gold Waltham watch sitting there. The crystal for the watch was missing. All the families, though, they said it didn't belong to any, to any of, them. of them. Yeah. So, so again, could be a coincidence. A, a park ranger could have just left it there or something else. And he had lost five toes to frostbite before he died he had blood poisoning and all of his lower legs were full of gangrene just yeah. he was in a bad 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 shape we, we, and and this is this is not the weirdest part no if you thought that there would be nothing else in the trailer since that he didn't survive or eat right uh you would be wrong right it had heavy clothing matches playing cards books wooden furniture uh you know wooden furniture that you could burn mm-hmm. uh, other burnable materials uh and and in a appeared that no one even tried to start a fire. Yeah, there had been no fire in there that entire season, they said. And a propane tank was even connected to the trailer. It, it had could, heat. Right. And they, they never. Yeah. It was untouched. According to Yuba County, Lieutenant Lance Ayers, quote, all they had to do was turn that gas on and they've had gas to the trailer and heat. Yeah. End quote. So outside of the trailer, there's a shed. What's inside that shed? A year's supply of food. Pre-cooked military rations, MREs, only 36 of them had been eaten. All the rest were left untouched. Point of note here, the cans of food need to be opened with an Army P-38 can opener. If you don't know Which what you one have of those, three of. It's like a little. You probably do. I think we have it in our bug out bag, just in case, because something breaks. Anyway, it's a small can opener. It looks like a little piece of metal with like a, a hook or a tooth coming off of it. But. Matthias and Madruga would have known how to use it. No one else would have. So that's, you know, counterpoint to that. Who knows? They didn't eat. They didn't eat hardly anything. And he was there. But they ate some. And he was there for eight to 12 weeks. You only ate 36 meals. That's that's the weird part, right? Like you ate some. So you knew that there was food there. It's not like there was a lack of knowledge of the food was there. But and you would think, OK, I'm going to say there's a propane tank. They had like they made it sound like the police made it sound like when you go in there, there's like an on and off. Like, so, you know what's going on. And they never lit a fire. They So what we're getting at is we're telling you all these things because it leads to a bunch of questions. Oh, so many questions, at least for me. Why did they go that way after the basketball game? Like Chico to Yuba City, straight down Highway 70 through the Central Valley. You're in these lowlands. There's no snow that time of year. It's a 46-mile drive to an hour, but the car was found several thousand feet up in the area above the snow line in a completely different direction than where they should have been going. Why did they abandon the trip to Yuba? It doesn't make any sense. Did they decide themselves to take this detour? And here's a big one that I I come up on. Or did someone, maybe, they, did they take a wrong turn? Or were they, they forced out there by force from someone else? So you're else? saying they get back in the car at Bears Market and somebody's sitting in the back seat with a gun. All right, you're driving that so way. So the common thought process, if it is, if you're on that line of thinking, is they saw something they shouldn't have seen. Because of their mental health disabilities, they might not even realize that they were doing anything wrong or saw something wrong. 
as we've known because we've watched many a movie those guys don't take i didn't see nothing usually on on word the bad guys they yeah. sitting there with a uh a garrett and a yeah you know, or, or whatever <laughs> walter ppk but it is still that's the thing that a lot of people think if that was forced on them why that might have happened but then why the hell did they flee into the woods were they driving the car because it was unlocked? It was open. They had gas. Also, if they were forced to drive that way, like, I, I mean, this is completely anecdotal, but would they have been sitting there and going ahead and finishing their snacks? You know, like if somebody right. had gone to their head, like, right, you know. right, right. Or maybe they sat in the parking lot, were eating those snacks and saw something then, you know? And no, so no, then- no, 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 no. That's impossible because we all know that they wouldn't even have been a quarter of the way through the marathon bar. <laughs> If it had been that quick. Another question is, were the flashlights Joseph saw them searching for their keys or some shit? Like maybe like you ever been out there and you're arguing with someone and they go, I'll throw the keys or something. And then they're like, oh, shit, you've doomed us all. Right, right, right. But then again, if that was the case and he's yelling for help, why wouldn't you have answered them? Especially when the one guy's helping people, he's very religious, things like that. You thought that at least one of them would have been like, maybe we need to go talk to this guy. And uh, we cannot forget about the truck. What about the woman, the baby? Never trust a baby. That is solid advice. It's true. It's true. Especially, I mean, especially if it's trying to take you into the woods. You know what? <laughs> Just kick it. And as you always say, I find this human form cons- uh, uh, confining. Or constricting or something <laughs> like that. Oh, man. How did they end up? These are all my questions. I apologize. I'm just, how did they end up at a trailer 19 miles away from the car? And how did they starve and die of exposure when they had everything they needed? Literally, they could have stayed there until June, and they all have been fat and sassy, been like, took you long enough to get here. Right. (sighs) Losing 100 pounds with the food. Yeah. 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 Now, you could say that he was the only one there. He couldn't walk to get the food because his legs were just disgustingly tore up. Oh, after you, uh, cause yeah. he, he stopped walking after 36 meals because the frostbite had gotten him. Right. And the thing about it is they didn't light a fire. Why were you afraid to light a fire? Like maybe someone would find you Was someone looking for you Was someone after you though on all of these questions, specifically about the actions taken inside of the trailer. It's worth noting that he's the same guy we mentioned earlier who wouldn't get out of the burning building because he needed to sleep. Right. Right. So like he might not have been making the best choices. Well then, you know, you go down another road whose watch was in the trailer. Where's the crystal? Why is it missing? Right. Uh, does it even uh, factor in, but it was in with all the, the, um, the stuff inside there uh, was someone after them or was this, there's two ways of thinking three, you know, I guess is was someone after them. Did they just, through a you know a bunch of follies fuck up and end up dying or did gary the wild card kind of go down a path with them well, you know let's that, talk about that what about gary Matthias? he he was never found that's yeah. the, the important part he's that we, still we a missing person we haven't touched day. on yet much yet there was four dead bodies found gary's body was never found now the police will tell you they feel that he's probably dead but he has to be considered a missing person right. to this day his tennis shoes were they were they were found inside the Forest Service trailer. So one theory is they might not have fit anymore because he had frostbite and uh, um and you know so he had to take them off. Or another theory is then since Ted was dead, he took his shoes that were uh, missing, th- that were missing yeah. and and replaced his sneakers, thinking that the leather shoes that Ted had had on would might be better in the in the climate in the snow. Which makes sense to me. Yeah, you know, if yeah. you're going to. But anyway, that doesn't mean there's anything nefarious. That just meant it. That's just practical. I'm just going to, you know. Yeah, I mean, you don't need them anymore, right? But anyway, he was gone, just gone. No tracks, no no signs of him anywhere. They never found his body or any pieces of him or anything like that. That's right. And and we've been talking about the Sacramento Bee article. It's actually a two-part article. Here's an excerpt specifically about Matthias. These files, clips, and interviews shape a disturbing image of Matthias. Billed in virtually all media reports at the time as another lost lamb caught out in the cold, Matthias was an aberration within the flock, a young man who did not belong with the others. He was violently schizophrenic and had a history of drug use and wasn't intellectually disabled like the others. Was Gary Matthias responsible for his friend's deaths? That uh, I put that paragraph in there because that kind of sums up one of the theories. Right, right. Uh, he, he was the wild card. Maybe he led them there to, to do all of this. Yeah, so some things about Gary. That we do know. Yeah. Uh, unlike the others, you said he didn't grow up diagnosed with a disability. According to his parents, 
He was first placed in a psychiatric ward in high school after a bad acid trip. Uh, so that's a crazy. That must thing. be a really bad acid trip. His his first diagnosis actually came when he was discharged from the army for paranoid schizophrenia. That's where that's where that diagnosis and came he from. Was, and that's according to the sheriff's files. Right. He was in Germany and he was doing tons and tons of drugs. They said. Yeah. Uh, one of uh, uh, Benny's I, I saw on the uh, barbiturates. Yeah. 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 Like, it's, those are all the drugs from like the 70s that are you're like, where would I even get that? Yeah, you got a lewd man. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, he, had, he had multiple run-ins with the law, right, right. including an arrest for groping his cousin's sleeping wife, punching a cop while in prison, and breaking into the house of a couple he knew and telling their three-year-old daughter, quote, I thought I'd kill you once. I guess I'll have to do it again, end quote. See, some guys just know how to party. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, I'm literally going to open the garage door and, and kick him out. So all of this is all of those run-ins with the law were happening while he was using a bunch of drugs, as we mentioned, um, and 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 a bunch of other crime and drug-related stuff happened in his history. But let's just say that there was a good run there where he wasn't on the right path. I think that's the best way to say. There it. is a however to that, though. Yeah, how he got he got straight. Yeah, they say he didn't. He had been on the straight and narrow. He started consistently taking his meds, and he joined, like we said, that the Gateway Project where he met the boys a few months before all this happened. And here's another quote from that same article from the Sacramento Bee following a 1978 interview with Matthias's longtime acquaintance, Janet and Zara, UB County Sergeant James Black wrote that Matthias had repeatedly told in Zara of a dream where he and several other people would disappear in Zara called Matthias, a very violent person hurting several men seriously and said that he also hates women. According to the interview notes with her. Now, that's a stark difference from what his parents will tell you, which is he's on the straight and narrow and he had been two years of zero run-ins with the law or anything like that. So we know what the cops think. Here's another quote. This is also uh, Jack Beecham, uh, that former Yuba County Sheriff, saying the following. They were either forced or manipulated. And where does Matthias come into that? Maybe he had nothing to do with it. We'll never know. But I think he did. Right, right. Now, all that said, it's completely conjecture. To tie the incident to some horrible plan that that Gary had come up with. But it's also possible that he was just lost with the rest of them and got bad luck. He went on his own, fell, died, got eaten, got yeah, his like body just he, laying there. It really was the lost lamb along with the other four lost lambs. Yeah. Uh, it's also possible he convinced the fellas to go on an adventure. Uh, truly, he felt like it was an adventure because he hadn't taken his meds uh, and, and he accidentally led them to their deaths. Adventure for me is sitting on her side of the couch. You know, so <laughs> yeah, a little bit different. Yeah, or maybe, uh, maybe, just maybe, regardless of the circumstances or intention, he's still alive today. That's fucked up if he is, right? You know, and if he is, a, if he is a paranoid schizophrenic, you could also maybe he wandered off somewhere. He's in a psych ward as a John Doe somewhere, and they've just never put two and two together. Now you would think like they would run fingerprints and stuff like that, but that's something that but he you would worry certainly, about. Yeah, his fingerprints would certainly be in the system. Yeah, he was. Um, he was so you'd, you'd think so, but the I, I suppose the point remains that we don't know what happened to him. I never thought they would actually follow me. No, especially in that snow. No, <laughs> that is not even funny. But I don't even understand that. All right, um, Brent, John, do you have it figured out? No, I don't. I. It's always easy to point blame at someone, but that is just what they're doing there. They don't know. Until something comes of this, I hate to sully him just because he was with them. It seems uh, cops have to do that. Right. But we don't know. Well, it's just like like in court, they, they always talk about circumstantial evidence. Yeah, you're right. And uh, it's all circumstantial, but that's sometimes all you have. It's all you have. Right. You don't, if you don't have a smoking gun. To me, I don't think um, I don't lean towards the side of another party being involved. Some extraneous party, uh, you know, forcing them this way or that. I, I lean to either five kids made the wrong decision, went the wrong direction. And when you combine that with their issues that they, they suffered from one way or another. Right. What, whatever they were diagnosed or not diagnosed with. When you combine those two factors, they just they made a, a, a bunch of uh, poor choices accidentally and, and wound up 
paying the price with their life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or but, but we don't know. Or 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 the other being that Matthias was involved. I I I, I fall in one of those two. I don't fall into the camp of. Uh, an extraneous third party, um, you know, uh, kind of puppet puppet mastering all of this. But we want to know what you guys think. How can they tell us, John? They can go to Hysteria Nation. It is our Facebook discussion group where we are on early and often talking about all things Hysteria 51. Yes. Go to Facebook.com and search Hysteria Nation. Yeah, you can also go to Facebook.com slash Hysteria 51 pod. If you want to jump on our Facebook page, you can tweet to us at Hysteria 51 pod patreon.com slash hysteria 51 all sorts of extra content on there you can hear john rap you can hear me rap it's on there uh i will uh, you want me to spit some for you right now i'm okay i'm okay, okay. Right, and we'll uh on. you can leave us a voicemail 773-669-7277 again 773-669-7277 next week i promise we'll get to more you didn't bring him again I didn't bring him I didn't you brought the road you brought the damn robot and you, you think didn't. he could just play him but uh, no. Or Kyle. Cheese muffins. <laughs> anyway, if you forget any of this, or if you want to find out how you can email rude things to John, just go to hysteria51.com. Hysteria51.com. Or gofopedia.com. Gofopedia.com will also take you to a very special page. Yes, it will. It will. And um, if you have any information about Gary Mathias or the case, it's important if you do know something, you never know. Someone might go, I completely didn't heard about that, and I know something about that. There will be a link in the show notes where you can turn in information. Um, because yeah, don't send important. it to us. Like, turn it into real authorities. Right, right, exactly. exactly. Not if the two do, yahoos on mics. Yeah, if you do have information, I'll always turn it into authorities, not the ufologist and the, you know, in the group, you know, give it to the people. And that it's like, believe. I think I just figured out who uh, the son of Sam Killer is. What should I do with this information? I didn't know you were Bozo still, the Clown. I didn't know you were still into dogs. So dog breeding. Yeah, that's true. Bozo, like, you, you just stepped all over my joke. Bozo the Clown. Doesn't mess around. It's time for the grand <laughs> prize game. A crisp, clean $100 bill. With that said. Yeah, I've been Brent. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite, join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.